Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Visit Purdy Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury or visit online at purdyinsurance.com. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK, sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Now, from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. And McCray shifts to the left of Altmeyer on second and two. And McCray has it, fumbles the football, and Penn State is around it and recovers at the Illinois 44 yard line. Kobe King. Back to pass, blitz coming, time delivers, intercepted, Abdul Carter, 45-50. Carter to the 45, to the 40, Carter inside the 40, and taken down at the 37-yard line of Illinois. Abdul Carter with his first career interception. Altmaier wants to throw far side, one-on-one coverage, and it's Hardy who picks it off. Hardy picks it off at their own 43-yard line. He had the inside that time. Jack just reached up and took it away. Lambert Smith split to the far side, who comes in motion toward us, sets up on the left wing. Catron Allen, right side to the goal line. Touchdown, Penn State. The Nittany Lions cash in the Daquan Hardy interception and now have a two-score lead. So they put him down at the 24 play action fake. Altmeyer pressure from the outside, throws, and it's intercepted by Penn State. Five-yard line to the 10, 15, 20, far sideline, 25, and tripped up Johnny Dixon with a big play for the Nittany Lions. I'm he's not still sure he's going. Down. 30, near sideline, 35, and it tripped up as he gets to the 39-yard line. Johnny Dixon. Potts is now the running back to the right of Aller from the 11. Farash attacking the end zone to our left. Two left, two right. Pitch it to Potts. Waits. Wants the throw. In the end zone. Warren keeps the feet in bounds. Touchdown, Penn State. Trey Potts throws the touchdown pass on the halfback option. And the Nittany Lions lead it 22-7. Third down and 18. Altmaier rolls far side. Being chased by Carter. Throws downfield. Intercepted at the 30-yard line. The fifth takeaway of the day for the Nittany Lions. Wow. Singleton through the hole, 15-10-5, walks into the end zone, touchdown Penn State, Nicholas Singleton, and right there, that is a big one for Penn State. They convert the Cam Miller inter- interception into a touchdown. Paddock takes the snap, they'll run one more play, throws it deep down the middle of the field, it is caught inside the 15, and that's it, that'll end the game. Penn State wins it, the Big Ten opener goes to the Nittany Lions, 30-13. They go to 3-0 in the season and 1-0 in conference play as they go on the road and get the job done. There you go. That's the uh, Big Ten opener, and now they've got the whiteout game. In Beaver Stadium, Saturday night at 7.30 on beginning at 6 o'clock. Matt will come up with a criticism of it somewhere. It's just his nature. Just kidding. I know. I can't wait for Saturday night. I'm going to have Penn State on one device, Notre Dame, Ohio State on another. That's going to be a tremendous night of college football. Where are you going to watch that game? Penn State's playing. Exactly. I'm going to keep Penn State on one device, Notre Dame, Ohio State on another. No, I think I'll just watch one game. All right, so... Uh... <laughs> well, yeah, you have to watch one game. <laughs> okay. 
So, um, we'll run down the game in a moment. But, I mean, it's been a long 72 hours for you. Actually, it's technically 70, uh, where you could not have gotten through the weekend unscathed. That is true. Mentally. And we're going to start with college football. And we're going to start with the gift that, or not gift, I should say, the nauseating gift that keeps on giving in Deion Sanders. So two things associated with that that got me going over the weekend. First thing, his postgame comments, I know what Colorado State's coach was kind of out of line during the week about that they had that stupid back and forth with the sunglasses thing, talking to the media. But then huh? Deion says after the game, we can't let – like he was asked about like their his mindset as they're trailing and trying to come back in the game. He says, we can't let this guy win or else we're, or else we're never going to hear the end of it. Hello? <laughs> I mean, that is just the most tone-deaf type of answer I've ever heard. I get it. You're competitive. You're in the middle of the game, whatever. But, like, read the room, Dion. You should know your personality and all the attention that you have gotten because of the stuff you said and the stuff that you've done, which is legitimate on the coaching side of things, but mostly because of the stuff you say. So don't even go there with, I don't want to have this guy win because I don't want to hear the end of it. If you can't talk the talk, then don't walk the walk. That's all I have to say about that. And then secondly, with the game in general, let's not forget, Colorado... Again, they're an underdog-type story, but they were favored by 22 points in this game, and they needed overtime to beat these guys at home. They play like that these next two weeks, it's going to be embarrassing for them when they take on Oregon and USC. Which, by the way, the USC game will be back on the big noon kickoff. It just got announced about a half hour ago. Colorado can't play like that for the next two weeks if they want to prove, actually prove themselves against quality competition. So let's get that straightened out, too. Head coach needs to watch himself, and enough with the hype of being 3-0. I get it. We I, I said two weeks ago on the show that Colorado would be 3-0 because of the way they've started the season after they beat TCU. But let's not underestimate here. They were a 22-point favorite, and they barely got out of there with a win at home. You know what always strikes me about you is you really get affected by words. <laughs> I'm seriously like, like I, I, who cares what he says? I don't care. You know, it's entertainment, entertaining. How much of it he means, who knows? You would not have. I mean, you have would not have existed well with Muhammad Ali. Probably not, no. Because <laughs> he said a lot of stupid stuff, too. But what did, what was Ali doing? Let me ask you something. What do you think Ali was doing when he, when he would do those press conferences and, the, oh, you know, the jousting and everything like that? What was he doing? Well, he's, it's, his, it's, it's his M.O. It was his entertainment. It was his way of kind of stirring things up a little bit. It was his way of promoting and getting people interested and maybe more people viewing on over-the-air TV or maybe buying tickets for pay-per-view something. He was always promoting. Now, he will be, he would have been 
the first to tell you that with Joe Frazier, he went too far. And he did he did tell people that. With Joe Frazier, he went too far. Okay? And Frazier um, really couldn't get over it in the end. And in the end, can you blame Joe Frazier? Um, and Ali knows he went too far with him. Okay? Uh, but that's all he was doing. If you if you sit there and you have either a semblance of experience or uh, just an understanding, I mean that was the whole that was the whole deal. The whole deal with him was he was always trying to promote. Now, did he cross lines and say crazy things? Sometimes like, oh, my God, he's just so blah, blah. I mean, Ali would have driven you nuts. Oh, I thoroughly admit it, yeah. And then you get to a guy like Deion Sanders. When he gets up and he tells everybody, hey, it's going to be tough, you know, you want to say, you know, you want to get out of here, get out of here, blah, you know, the whole thing. Man, if you're going to let words affect what, what you think will be your outcome. Have confidence in yourself. Say, all right, fine. I got the challenge. Here we go. Some guys didn't accept it. Moved on. Other guys didn't like how hard they were being coached. Moved on. Okay. That's fine. That's the way it is. I, you know, I don't worry, you know, but I don't worry about that stuff. I don't care what he says, why he says it. Hey, he's out there. Look, right now he is getting, he's he's brash, which he always has been. He is proving to be a very good coach. He has hired an excellent staff. They are not a deep football team, which is going to come out here over the next couple of weeks. His 1 through 22 is very good especially on offense. His, his starting 11 on offense is really good. His son is, a, his son is a way better player than I gave him credit for. And uh, I'm talking about Shador. Shiloh is very good, too. Uh, but that's, to, you know, to his credit, he has gone out. He's recruited well. For some reason... And I don't know if it's just a lack of understanding or then he'll get it. Nobody has asked him about his ability to evaluate talent based on coaching his sons as they came up through the ranks in 7th and 8th grade. And he had those all-star games where he's out there and he's showcasing his sons but at the same time showcasing other talent. You know, he had the ability to then see these guys up close and personal in these eighth grade all star games. Never been asked about that. So I'll sit there and I'll watch him inter- be interviewed and I'll say, okay, well, where's that question about his ability to evaluate all these? He's, he's got ends with all these, these players because he knows them. He knows them. 
and he never gets asked. Now, part of that is me having a couple of conversations with LeVar Arrington about it, which helps. But I never hear him asked about that. And he knows what he's looking for. You don't sit there. You don't need a recruiting service. And I'm not talking about the Ryan Snyders, the Sean Fitzes, the Tyler Donahue's. All the guys like that all do great, great work on recruiting. But they're not the ones who rank them 1 through 50. Here's the top 50 tight ends. No, they, they do a good job of staying in touch with the recruits to give you some great stories that you enjoy along the way. Okay? And But that's helped him evaluate where they are. Good coaching. Smart. But you let the you let the the bravado, you let the public persona get to you. Why? And and by the way, you'll speak for a lot of people. So it's not, so it's, you're not going to be, there, there are going to be a lot of people that, that are going to agree with what you're going to say. But why do you let it get to you? If they didn't have like this back and forth, him and the Colorado State coach, and he had just said that, then I'd probably let it go because it's something that I would expect. But because he had this back and forth with Colorado State, and that then, then he comes out in the post-game press conference that says that, that's what I'm going to flag you for it. Okay, but he probably was asked about it. No, the, the the question he was asked was, what was your feeling like as you're coming back in the game? And then, he, and then the first part of the answer was, I can't let this guy win. Okay, that's fine. Well, guess what? Neither one of them resp- happens to be playing. <laughs> so, that's, you know. Okay. Um, now, aside in that game, which is the part that you should have a problem with, is not Deion Sanders. And that is the Colorado State defensive back that took three steps and belted Travis Hunter when he was out of bounds. That player should have been thrown out of the game. That was, to me, the definition of what targeting happens to be. Hunter's going to be out three weeks because of that. He's going to be out three weeks because of that. So he's going to miss the Oregon game. He's going to miss the USC game. He takes three steps when the play, okay, and Hunter's out of bounds and belts him. He should have been thrown out of the game. I will agree with that, and I will and I will also say that I thought Colorado State handled themselves pretty poorly overall, and it started and it starts with their head coach. Well, they they had 17 penalties in the game. So think about this. Florida State beats Boston College by two. And Boston College loses the game by two and commits 18 penalties and lost by two. There's a good chance if they commit 12 penalties, they win. Colorado State committed 17 penalties 
and lost in double overtime. If they commit 12 penalties and not 17, they probably win in regulation. You've got to be a far more disciplined football team. Now, the definition of that's walking in here Saturday night. You want to know what the average for Iowa happens to be? They average three penalties per game for 17 and a half yards a game. Where was Tennessee hit with the other night? I don't know how many penalties. They committed a lot of penalties against Florida. You've got to be disciplined when you're playing the game. And I know the game's fast and so forth, but that play, that hit in the sideline, you can talk about the game being fast all you want. He took three steps and he belted him out of bounds. He should have been thrown out. I mean, like, I mean, I'm watching. I said, well, where's the flag? You know, there's the flag, but what about throwing him out of the game? He, there's a line. And, like, he grabbed the line with his right hand, threw it out of the way, and kept on going. It wasn't as if he skirted it and was in a gray area. He wasn't. But Dion gets to you. You James has done a great job, James Franklin, of embracing so much about Penn State from the time he got here. I wasn't quite sure about the quarterback club. Now he understands the importance of the quarterback club and has for a while, now for a long time. You know, it just took him a little bit to, like, okay, we do what on Wednesday? You know, the blue band, right? Everything that goes with Penn State is embraced. Um, there was a woman at the quarterback club when she had her 100th birthday. She was out in California at the time. James called her up. Do you know who Deion Sanders gave the game ball to when they won in Boulder against Nebraska? I, I remember seeing this, but I, I can't remember who it was exactly. The 98-year-old super fan. Yeah, that's right. That, that, was, that went, was neat, yes. That he went to her house after he got the job, met her. Right? And then when they beat Nebraska for the home win. Remember, this was a 1-11 football team last year. He gave her the game ball. I know that you don't, like, everybody falls into categories for you. When that happened, I did give him a slight pass. I'll admit. Seeing you big, be such a big person is it's kind of tugs at my heart. Uh, Penn, Penn State Northwestern is going to be a new kickoff. It's going to be on BTN on September 30th. We'll come back. Donnie Collins in a moment as we continue here on, ooh, your play-by-play is the Colorado win. Yeah, I had to give it to him. Yeah. You you bandwagon jumper here on <laughs> News Radio 1070 WKOK. Okay. 
There's something to be said about a sale with a handshake, a service technician who really knows what he's doing. They can explain it in English what the problem is. There's nothing better than having that friend you could trust in the area. That's Sunbury Motors, where you get selection, knowledgeable salespeople, and prices that fit your budget, and more important, that friend you can trust. Welcome to Sunbury Motors, Kia, Ford, and Hyundai. You could shop other dealers and compare prices, but at Sunbury Motors, you get their lowest price promise. They research the current used vehicle market and guarantee their used car prices are the lowest. If you find a lower price, Sunbury Motors will beat it. Three dealers all in one. See their full new and pre-owned inventory at sunburymotors.com. Pick out a vehicle you like and schedule your test drive online. Follow them on Facebook. Sunbury Motors Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK, sponsored by Prudy Insurance. Now, from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. You know what bothers me? What's that? If, if you were a fish, you'd be caught almost every day. <laughs> You always take bait. Actions speak louder than words. <laughs> Says the talk show host. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Says the talk show host. Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Auto home life business. RV, boat, motorcycle, best in the business, and great people. They really are. The, the Purdy family and, and they're, the workers, they're all family. They just take good care of you. Customer service means everything. Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. By the way, Tonight on News Radio 1070 WKOK, Jersey Shore will be playing Shikolimi tonight. I believe Jersey Shore has four road games coming up. They do, after tonight, yep. So with Max passing away tragically on Friday, and our deepest, deepest condolences to the Jersey Shore football family, especially to Max's immediate family, to all his friends, uh, our deepest condolences. But they wanted to play the game tonight because they didn't want their next go home their next game without him. They did not want it to be on the road. So they are going to play the game tonight. And it'll obviously be emotional. Um, at Thompson Street Stadium. And I think what they're gonna go at seven o'clock tonight? Seven oh five is kickoff. Yeah, seven oh five will be kickoff. And words you can't find the proper words for the grief everyone feels over what happened to this young man and to how awful it is for his family and how awful it is for all of his friends and his teammates and classmates and the entire town. Uh, 
So they will play the game tonight. And something tells me deep down Max would have wanted them to play the game tonight. I don't know him, but it sounded like he was sounded like he was just one great guy and one great competitor who loved football. So that's what it sounds like. And hopefully uh, I was able, with, without ever meeting him with the family, to capture in a small way of who he is or who he was. Okay. So that is tonight, and Kevin and the Chief will have the game for you, and they will do the game in such a way tonight which will show you what great broadcasters they are, and they are. Okay. Uh, we have Donnie? We do. Okay. Let's bring in... Bring in our good friend Donnie Collins from Scranton. Donnie, how are you today? Great to have you with us. Doing well. See about yourself. I'm doing great. Thanks so much. Okay, so uh, I will start defensively because uh, there's the obvious, the five takeaways, but there's also something else in play. This is now the 11th consecutive game, which is the longest streak in the country, of six tackles for losses or better in a game. Through three games, what are you seeing with this defense? They, they can make big plays, and, and that's pretty much what we all kind of thought, I think, coming into the, to the season. That, that you know, they're, not, they're not the biggest up front. We, we, you know, they're not small by any means, but they're not the biggest team up front, and, and, and that was a lot made of that last year. But they are quick off the edge. They have aggressive linebackers. Uh, they have cornerbacks who can who could cover their their safeties. I think have been underrated this year. I, I think Reed and uh, Winston have been, have been terrific so far, especially so on on Saturday. And when when you have that combination of you know, you're not going to be able to get the ball away quickly, you're not going to be able to. Yeah, you, know, you, you, you you're not running the ball as well because you have to hit the edges on them. They've, they've been, you know, I think they could have had a few more tackles for Ohio against Illinois. They missed a few, especially early in the game, or else that could have been a really dominant uh, statistical defensive effort against the run. But but I but I think that's really what it is. I think they have a lot of big play guys. Carter and Jacobs are big play guys. They make a lot of plays in the backfield. The two whoever's out whoever's out at defensive end, uh, any of those top three guys are. Are big play guys, and, and, and they're they're making a lot of plays, and and really, I, I think that's been a, a big story of all three games. Is you know they're, they're, they've been able to you know, opponents have been able to run at times against these guys, but they, they they're being able enough to put guys back in second and thirteens and, and, and third and nines, where you know, it, it makes it very difficult once you have to challenge those cornerbacks to be able to do it in third and long. How do you feel about the addition now, Kazai Izzard up front with Amin Vanover and the return of Daquan Hardy? What do they mean, in your opinion, to this defense moving forward? Well, I think the biggest of those three is Izzard. I, I you know, I, 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 I like his game. I think he's, he's missed some time the last couple of years. Uh, but when he's in, he's, he's a difference maker. I, I thought, you know, in, in 21, he showed a lot of promise when he goes in and, and pretty much plays – uh, for PJ Mustafer there after he gets hurt, and then last year, you know, I, I thought he at, toward the end of the year was was making a lot of plays in the backfield, and, and for him to come back, he gets two sacks, and everyone's going to look at the sack. But I thought he did a great job against the run. I, Illinois loves to double team those those tackles. That's really where they make their money on defense or on offense. They they they, they get they get bodies on defensive tackles. That's how that's how they try to run the ball, and you know. 
I, I thought Izard really did a good job kind of occupying blockers and not giving up enough room. I, I, I thought he was really the, the, the best of the defensive tackles in, 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 in the game Saturday. So he, he, I think, is a big, kind of an underrated, but a big addition back. But, you know, Hardy allowed them to play the kind of defense they they like to play and that they're comfortable with. And, and you know, he's he's one of those guys. It's, you know, him, DeLuke is another one. The ball finds them, and, and, and it's not an accident. You know, they're not lucky. They're not getting challenged a ton and, and making an occasional play. They, they're just they're, they're guys who, who know how to make a play on the ball. Um, they, they anticipate the ball coming at them, and, and, and they make plays. I, I, his, his interception was a huge play in that game, too. And, and Vanover is a, you know, just, he's another guy off that edge who can, who could really go after, after the quarterback. And, you know, he had a big hit in that game. Uh, I, don't, I don't think it ended up in the stat sheet, but he had a big hit on, on Altmeyer that I thought really knocked him kind of into a, into a state of, well, you know, knock him out of his rhythm, let's put it that way. So I, I think all three of those guys coming back uh, is one thing, but you saw the impact all three of them can make, too, in the, in the Illinois game. So then offensively, how did you view the offense's day out there? I, I guess I'm in the, the minority here. I didn't think it was all that terrible. You know, they, mm-hmm. they, they you know, they, they, I, I think with Aller, um, you're going to look at the numbers. You always look at the numbers. It, it's a fantasy football world we live in now. And, and, and <laughs> you know, he's not going to win anybody a game with, with, with 200, some, 204 yards, no touchdowns. But I, I thought he managed the game well, and, and he made the one throw he had to make in, in the, 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 with one minute left there at the end of the half, you you know you really need to go in with some points there. You get the ball back, mm-hmm. and you're you're only up a score. That field goal at the end of the half puts him up two scores. It's a humongous play, and he makes a, an absolutely unreal throw to Liam Clifford and to move the sticks. But I, I thought Illinois had a had the game plan that I, I think it was a smart game plan against them. They they they, they tried to rush him a little bit. They they especially early on played a lot of one on one coverage on the outside. And they challenged those receivers to beat them. And they challenged at, at an under-pressure sophomore quarterback in his first start on the road to, to beat them. And they, they didn't do it early on. They, they made some adjustments, and, and, and the offense got a little better. But I, I think that's what teams are going to try to do if they can moving forward. But the, the big thing with Aller is he, he makes the, the big play. He, he's, all season he's made the, 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 the accurate throw downfield, and they've been missing that. They needed that. And he makes it in a big spot there, and he's not turning the ball over, as James said. I mean, he's he's 140 some passes into his career now with with no interceptions. So I, I think that's a that's a huge thing for this offense. And to you know, in a game where you you, you force five turnovers on defense and don't turn the ball over, you you, you should win 30 to 13. I mean, that that's a that, mm-hmm. that's that's kind of obvious. But but I I think that you know they 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 got things going as as the game went along. And let's not forget. That's easily the best defense they've played. I mean, the, Newton and and Randolph are really good players. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the other linebacker there, I forget his name, but he he, he was a, he had a lot of big plays, nineteen, and yeah, he, he's he's a good a good player. They have, they have some good players on that defense. So, so I, I think that in a challenging situation, I, I think their young players stood up well. Now, do they have to be better on offense? Yes, but it's game number three. If, if that's as good as they're going to get anyway, they were they weren't going to have the kind of season that. That fans want them to have, regardless. So this is this is a team that's going to get keep getting better, and they needed a challenge like that to to kind of get themselves ready for an Iowa defense that's going to be just as good, if not better. 
uh, unknown stat of the game. I'm not sure many fans know this one, and that is Nicholas Singleton had 140 all-purpose yards in the game. If you're just looking at the rushing part, you're probably taken aback. Like, you had 140. But the setup, the touchdown, or excuse me, the field goal at the end of the half and the pass play of 33 yards to Liam Clifford from Drew, it started with a kickoff return by Singleton. And he also had three catches for a career-high 49 yards out of the backfield. What does that element of Nicholas Singleton in the pass game mean for this offense moving forward? It's huge because, the, number one, the more ways you can get that kid the ball, the better. Number two, the more ways that the defense has to defend him, the better. I mean, it's one thing to give him the ball 25 times on handoffs and pitches and, and, and let him go, but to be able to to work him in different ways. And, and I think that's one thing Penn State's done really well this year on offense. They've done a lot of things really well on offense, but, but that's one thing that they've done very well. I mean, I think each of the running backs have made big plays at times in the first uh, – first three weeks out of the out of the backfield in the passing game and, and and you know yeah for singleton to lead the he was he was the leading receiver in the game for penn mm-hmm. state so that that tells you number one that he could do it and number two what kind of a big play threat he could be out of there but he had some some big catches and he's going to break a a kickoff return soon i could you know you could, you could kind of sense when that's coming I think a little bit when you when you watch very closely and, and, and do it twice a week and yeah you're you're watching you're watching a lot of of, of, of football you you could see when it, when a kickoff returns about ready to go and I and I think in some ways Nick is caught in between a little bit between trying to get the get the yardage that's available and, and go for the big play um, but he figured that out last year he's going to figure it out this year and, he, and and this year even caught in between he's been a he's been a fantastic back he's averaged. You know his, his average is, is where you want it to be, but those those big plays are going to come for him. I, I think he's going to be a big reason this offense gets gets a lot better. But yeah, if, if he can add that threat out of the backfield as a, as a receiver, yeah, the sky's the limit for him. James Franklin wants a smart, disciplined football team. Uh, they had seven penalties in the game, a couple at inopportune moments, including one on offense that that took away a first down. Uh, we saw. Boston College commit 18 penalties and lose by two. We saw Colorado State commit 17 penalties and lose in double overtime. Saw Tennessee double-digit penalties and lose at Florida. Penn State committed seven on, on Saturday, and they're going up against a team this Saturday that averages three penalties per game, uh, Donnie, and only 17.5 yards per game in penalties. What about the part about the smart, disciplined football team? Because I know that for James, that has, from day one, always been a point of emphasis. Yeah, and this is two weeks in a row now he's mentioned after the game and talked about, you know, in the press conference afterwards. I'm assuming he's going to address it again tomorrow, just a hunch. But, you know, just how penalties, you know, you, you want to win the penalty battle. And like, I said this on, on my podcast last week after about the penalties. You know, it's really, I don't mind losing the penalty battle every once in a while because it shows you're being aggressive. It shows. What I what I don't think you can abide is undisciplined penalties. You know, and and I, I don't think right. there were undisciplined penalties against Delaware, but this this one was out of hand. I mean, you you have two veteran guys picking up on sportsmanlike fouls, and 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 the, the Lambert Smith penalty, you know, that's it's uncalled for because you go from a third and two where you're driving in, you're up thirteen, you're probably going to, you know, you're probably getting some points out of that drive. You're in great shape to really. Yep make that drive be the one that puts your opponent away 
and then you got a, a third and 17, and you have Falcons trying a 52-yard field goal, which is, yeah, I mean, I'm sure he could hit it, but it, it, it's no guarantee. You, you, you've gone from gimme points to, to nothing, and it, it didn't look good. And you know, I, I, I get it if, if it's freshman guys doing that, but you have, you have, you know, it, it, Ellie's and and. Lambert Smith are veteran guys, so I, I think James is going to be furious with that. And behind the scenes, that's going to be a big, big issue this week for for the players. But certainly, Iowa, you, know, you, you can't beat Iowa, you know, if if you have seven, eight penalties and they have one or two, and that's really the way Iowa plays. You, you, Iowa is never the most talented team on the field, hardly ever the most talented team on the field, but they're always the most disciplined. They always do everything right to put themselves in a position to not lose the game, and then they're there at the end. If they play like that against Iowa, they're in, they're in a little bit of trouble this weekend. I, I, whiteout, I, I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's home. I don't care if it's a whiteout. You, you, you play that undisciplined, you're, you're going you're to be in trouble in football. Um, and and I, think, you know, I think Franklin will make that known this week. And because, because you're right. I mean, there's a reason he likes smart, disciplined football. Because, it's because it wins games. It, yes. it, doesn't, it certainly doesn't lose your games. Right, Exactly. Uh, so your view on Iowa and uh, the game on Saturday night, how do you see it? I, I think Penn State will be very emotional, which, like, kind of dating back to what I just said, that, that, that may be a little concerning this week. I don't know, because yeah, especially after the, the 21 game, uh, I, I don't necessarily believe that, that, that teams don't look back, or you know, especially when, when things like what happened out there happen. I, I, I think they'll remember that and use it kind of as some motivation but but man for man Penn State's a better team now are they going to be willing to do what it takes to 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 be the better team and, and to and to put I away early I I I I don't know what well, that to me is is what we'll have to see but I I would find it even even with McNamara as a quarterback I like but but Penn State's played well against McNamara in the past so mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see if he could be a difference maker in, in that offense for them he certainly has been so far because they've been pretty good. But I, I, it's going to come down to the question I always have with everybody in the conference except for Michigan and Ohio State, which is can they score with Penn State? Um, I, I'm not sure. Because you look back at, at Illinois, for all the offensive problems they had, they had 30 points. They figure yeah. out a way to score. And they, 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 you know, you talked about streaks earlier. I think that's what's it nine or ten games in a row now that they've scored thirty, which is also ten. the longest streak in the country. Ten, yeah, ten. That's an ten. impressive. And it streak. is, it is the longest ten. Yeah, it is, so I, I would assume if you're Iowa, you you have to think you're you're going to have to score thirty, and or you're at least going to have to score twenty five, twenty six if you if you have a good defensive effort out there. So yeah, we'll we'll, we'll see. I I I, I think. I, I don't think Iowa's so strong defensively that Penn State's not going to move the ball this week. I, I think that last week is really going to help them. I, I, I don't. I don't think it's a fluke that they're not turning the ball over. Um, I think. I think that's kind of part of Aller's game and, and, and a mm-hmm. benefit to having him back there. I mean, eventually they will turn it over, but it's not going to turn it over enough to to make a tremendous difference. I, I, I and, and I and I don't know if Iowa could outscore or run with Penn State in, in a game where. Where the offense is is going to score, you know, twenty four, twenty seven, thirty points, whatever. Even against a good defense, and Penn State's defense is coming off it's a game where you you would think they could they can handle the Iowa offense. Donnie, always a pleasure. It's just always fun talking with you. And thanks so much for the great insight you always give us. Same to you, Steve. Thanks.
Donnie Collins, Grant Times Tribune. On a talk show where a lot of words are spoken. Oh, my almighty! What? Words affect you. Most of the time. I think it depends on who's saying them. Also true. I won't deny that. Certain people you just don't like. Is, quote, not your kind of guy. Correct. How about that? (laughs) All right, we'll take a break. What game do you have this week, by the way? Uh, Football, I actually do not have a game this week. Okay. And by the way, I I believe, uh, did I see that Jersey Shore was thanking Sealands Grove and somebody else. And Mifflinburg, correct, like, yes. Because Jersey Shore is at Mifflinburg next week. Yes, exactly right. So they're going to play on a Saturday. Yeah, so Jersey Shore, right. Mifflinburg is Saturday. Shikalemi, Seals Grove Saturday. And I guess this kind of worked out for Shikalemi because they will get to play back at Shikalemi Stadium. The track is done and cured, and they can play the game back at Shikalemi Stadium instead of Shemokin, like originally planned. So that kind of, I think that kind of worked out for Shikalemi. I had my I had my tickets all set for Shimoka. Now you tell me this. I mean, what, what's going on? Here? I mean, no, it is officially. You know, I know there was a lot of reports out there this weekend about it, but Shikalemi just confirmed that with Kevin like an hour ago. So yes, it is Saturday, and it will be at Shikalemi. Unfortunately, Stadium. they did it while Kevin. They unfortunately did it while Kevin was sitting in Shimoka. All right, we'll come back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WK. Okay. Jerry Dulac in the uh, final half hour of the show today. We'll talk about the Steelers showdown tonight with uh, the Cleveland Browns. Uh, By the way, Monday Night Football select games are going to be on ABC. Now all the Monday Night games are going to be on ABC. Why? Because the writers and actors are on strike. So they need live programming. Writer's strike has been really tough because, I mean, the suits had to ad-lib as opens. (laughs) That's very true. For nearly 100 years, Purdy Insurance has been your locally owned, family operated source for insurance products. With a staff of over 20 and partnerships with some of the industry's most trusted companies, Purdy has the experience and resources to get the job done. Whether you need personal home and auto or complex business insurance solutions, Purdy will help you navigate through the process. Call today at 570-286-5855. Or better yet, stop in their Sunbury office to see what Purdy Insurance can do for you. 